Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Film Daily, the official daily podcast of SlashFilm.com. It is July 19th, 2017, and we are in San Diego for San Diego Comic-Con International 2017. But before that gets started, we're here to recap the news from the day yesterday. Uh, we have... Five news items in the news, including Luke Besson, Valerian, uh, the Russo Brothers directing TV, Dark Tower Runtime, Walton Goggins joining Ant-Man, and the Disaster Artist trailer. But before that, in the water cooler, we will be talking about a Luke Besson marathon in Los Angeles and the new Fantasmic show at Disneyland. Joining me on today's episode will be Jack Drew, Jacob Hall, and Bradford Omen, who you know is Ethan Anderton on the site. And with me right now is Jack Giroux from SlashFilm.com. Jack, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Um, before we get into the news, let's do the water cooler. This is a segment where we talk about stuff we've been up to lately. Not necessarily involving movies, but sometimes involving movies. Uh, I was at D23 Expo in Anaheim this past week, and at the Parks and Resorts panel... They surprised the entire crowd of, I think, 7,000 people with fast passes to the new Fantasmic show at Disneyland. Uh, Fantasmic, if you don't know, has been around uh, for a few decades. 
uh, now, and uh, it got shut down because they were doing construction at Star Wars Land, which they're building in Disneyland, and they had to restructure the Rivers of America, which is where Fantasmic takes place. And basically, they used that as an excuse to upgrade the technology, upgrade the projectors, upgrade the uh, the effects, add two new segments, one that involves Aladdin, one that involves Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and I was lucky enough to attend that preview of this new revised Fantasmic show. And I, I have to say, it's, it's Fantasmic. Mm. It's fantastic. Uh, which is what my what my Mac wants to change Fantasmic into. Every time I write Fantasmic, it corrects it into Fantastic, and I don't, I don't like that. But um, the for the most part, the new changes are great. The Aladdin sequence is magical. The pirate sequence has the stunt choreography with Captain Jack Sparrow jumping around the pirate ship, and uh, it, it, it's it's just magical. Uh, anybody who who liked Fantasmic. They, they have only improved it. Anybody who has not seen the show needs to go to Disneyland and see it. Um, and that's what I've been up to. What, what have you been up to lately? Uh, lately, and I wrote about this in The Water Cooler, but I saw a double feature of Luc Besson's first two movies, The Last Battle and Subway. Peter, have you seen these movies? I have not seen either of them, although I've heard of them. Yeah, the first one, I didn't see either, and I was happy I got to see them in the theater. And his first movie is The Last... Uh, battle and it's a black and white post-apocalyptic movie where fish rain from the sky and it wait, 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 wait a second. we should probably say to people that have not uh that don't know luke Besson is the director of the fifth element and what other movies oh uh, leon yeah. uh la femme nikita yeah valerian in the city of a thousand planets which you should all go see for sure yeah okay so go on so the oh, yeah. films are what so the last battle post-apocalyptic, black and white, and a disease has made it, nobody can really talk anymore. And it's really cool. It shows just how strong of a visual storyteller I think Luc Besson is. And I think it's one of John Renault's earliest roles, and he displays a hulking villain and just has like an amazing presence. And there's maybe one or two action scenes, not many, but even with so little, you can just see what an imagination Luc Besson has. But it was a second movie, Subway, that I was like really blown away by. And it's mostly set in a subway station with Christopher Lambert. And it's just so confident and cool. And it really shows how well-defined his style and voice was from pretty early on in his career, I think. Are, are these movies available on home video, do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I tried tracking down The Last Battle. I don't think I could find it. I think Subway is available on DVD. Uh, I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, let's jump into the news. And it's funny that you're talking about Luke Vassan because one of the news stories uh, yesterday on Slash Film, uh, written by Ben Pearson, is Luke Vassan is already re- writing Valerian 3. And uh, how is that possible? Valerian hasn't even come out in theaters. How is he writing Valerian 3? Well, I know he has a very quick writing process. Like he said that once he has the outline done, he can knock a script out in like three or four weeks. And I think he just loves that world. And like months ago, I feel like we even ran a story where he said he was working on 2 and thinking about the future already. And I just think he's just passionate enough where it doesn't really matter to him whether or not it pans out. And we'll see if it will. Yeah, he said, speaking with Nerdist, I finished number 2 already and I'm writing number 3. Quote, I don't know if we will do it because it's not up to me. It's up to the audience if they like it. But my friend said, why are you writing a second one? You don't even know if you're going to do it. And I said, I don't care. It's fine. Laughs. Uh, I just want to write it. I'm enjoying writing it. I don't even wait. I'm just writing it for myself. 
so I finished the sequel already, and I got bored a month ago, so I said, let's write a third. And that sounds like Luke Pisan. He's yeah. like an insane person. Uh, but the, th- the fact of the matter is Valerian is, you know, the biggest produced film, I think, in France, uh, French uh, production history. And it, I think it's made for like $220 million or so, something insane like I've that. seen budget numbers all over the place, like 175 180 yeah. and then what you just said, too. And I don't – yeah, it's such a big movie that I buy any of those figures. Yeah, and, and another part of the, the, the story is that this movie can't fail. So why why is this big of a movie? What how how is this possible that it can't be a bomb? Uh, they pre-sold the movie to a lot of foreign distributors, I believe, and uh, even some theater chains. And I read that in a single day, he uh, him and his wife uh, producer amassed eighty million dollars and struck other deals for like twenty five million, thirty million, and yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's interesting, like. If you read, and this comes from Wired.com article, basically uh, funny movies of this size, this isn't typically done, but a producer can pitch, uh, can take a reel and pitch to, uh, not investors, but to foreign territories, a film that has not been made, and basically sign pre-sales contracts that will pay in advance to the producer, a promise to pay the balance on delivery of the movie, and uh, the majority of the budget has already been paid by these advanced sales. So while the film could theoretically bomb horribly at the box office, um, it has been paid for, theoretically. Um, and that doesn't mean that a sequel will automatically happen because if those foreign distributors don't make their money back, they're not going to buy a sequel. Mm. Um, but... Uh, it means that it, it isn't. It can't fail. Um, you've seen the movie. I've seen the movie. Yes. Uh, talk about the movie. Is Valerian good? Uh, I think it's very good, and I think if you're a Luc Besson fan, it's what you want from a two hundred million dollar Luc Besson fan. Like it has that. Definitely has his personality. It feels very uncompromised. The fact that he got all those money from pre-sales, it kind of just seems like he, in every scene he got to make whatever he wanted because like his fingerprints are in every shot of that movie. And every shot of that movie is just gorgeous. Uh, the color choices, the costumes, the environments, the alien designs. I think the romance works. Um, it seems a little divisive for some people, that part of the film. But the world is so great. And by the end, I definitely wanted to go back to it. Yeah, I think it's batshit nuts. It's, uh, there's sequences, action sequences in this film that are so imaginative. And stuff you've never seen. The creatures in the movie are creatures you've never seen and there's hundreds of them there's literally hundreds of different creatures different alien species in this movie and it, it's in the first like five minutes alone i think you see probably dozens oh yeah there's so many and i also just think it's great seeing what luke Passan's action looks like on this scale like some sequences maybe gone for 10 15 minutes of action and how he's able to just build momentum all the way through and just how intricate and how many moving pieces there are uh, yeah, that part of the movie just blew me away. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think the love story works as much, and the third act kind of falls apart for me. But I think it's a movie that you should see in 3D on the biggest screen possible. Uh, that I definitely recommend. Yeah, and I agree with Peter. I think the third act it feels more routine than the rest of the movie. It's funny. The second act is probably my favorite part of the movie, where it seems like the movie is going off on a tangent. I don't think it is. Um, it's but unpredictable. It is very unpredictable, but. 
the problem I had with the ending and how it resolves, it really didn't affect the overall experience for me much. Okay, let's move on. Also in the news today, this is an article you wrote for SlashFilm.com. The Russo brothers, the directors of Avengers uh, uh, Infinity War, uh, the last two Captain America movies, they're signed on to direct Noah Hawley's new FX series, The Mastermind. Noah Hawley being the creator of the FX series Fargo, also Legion. Um, What do we know about The Mastermind? The Mastermind is based on some investigative stories about Paul Leroux, who was in an online pharmaceutical business, but somehow became a criminal underlord or boss that maybe trafficked guns, laundered money, was into guns, gold smuggling, and had like his fingers were in like Hong Kong, Africa, Colombia, Brazil. And it's just this big, crazy crime story that just feels definitely right for Noah Hawley and yeah, I'm curious to see what the Russo brothers would do with it. I don't know when they're going to fit it into their schedule, but it's one of the many TV projects they have going on that seems really cool. Yeah, because right now they're directing, they just got done directing Avengers Infinity War, and they're about to start directing Avengers 4, which doesn't have a title. Um, I don't think they have anything lined up after that, right? They're, I believe, supposed to direct some of Who Lose the Warriors, but that hasn't oh, yeah. been greenlit yet. I hear it's kind of big. Yeah, well, this sounds crazy. It's produced by Robert Kirkman, the creator of The Walking Dead, and a Skybound Entertainment uh, group. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I, I'm a big fan of Holly, and I, I love Fargo, and I love... Uh, I haven't finished Legion, but I, I love the ambition of Legion. So... Uh, I was just going to say, too, just mentioning Fargo and Legion and just this story just shows, like, what range Noah Alley has. Like, I don't think you could look at three shows that couldn't sound more different. And next up in the news, we have a little bit of Ant-Man casting. Brad, tell us about it. Ant-Man casting is here. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is getting ready to start production later this summer down in Atlanta, where all the Marvel movies have been shooting. And they just added... Walton Goggins to the cast. Now, Walton Goggins may not be a household name to some people, but he's a pretty damn good character actor. You might remember him from Justified or The Shield. He's also appeared in Quentin Tarantino's recent movies like The Hateful Eight and Django Unchained. Um, He's been hilarious in a very dark sort of way on HBO's Vice Principal series with Danny McBride. And he's a great addition to have to any cast, no matter how small the role. What what kind of role do you think he's going to have? Do you think he's going to be a villain? He's he's played villains throughout his career. For sure, uh, there's there's no indication for um, with any amount of certainty as to who he will be playing. But I personally, like you say, would like to see him play a villain. Um, you know, we had Corey Stoll play Yellow Jacket in the first Ant-Man, and uh, he wasn't bad, but he also wasn't a particularly memorable villain, and that's not exactly... He, he, he actually ranks at the bo- near the bottom of our list of the worst villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I don't think that's Corey Stoll's fault. I think that's more so Marvel's fault just for making a villain that is forgettable and very generic, if you will. But if anyone would be able to make a memorable villain in an anime movie it would be walton goggins as for who that could be it's tough to say since we don't really know much about ant-man at this point uh one of the interesting things we know about ant-man the comic but ant-man the comic doesn't have many memorable villains right actually as uh our resident comic book expert jacob hall pointed out to us uh ant-man's primary villain in the comics is usually ultron but 
since Ultron has already been dispatched with by the Avengers. That's really not in the cards. However, uh, it's important to note that Corey Stoll's character Darren Cross in the comics does have a cousin whose name is William Cross, and he actually turns into the villain known as Crossfire. And apparently he's a mercenary with cybernetic implants, and he tries to steal tech from Hank Pym and doles it out to whoever is willing to pay the highest price. So that might be something that works in conjunction with what has been happening in the Marvel Universe lately, especially after Spider-Man Homecoming had a story about uh, you know Vulture using alien tech to create weapons to give to criminals. So maybe this next part of the Marvel Universe is about escalation and how even small-time criminals are becoming more dangerous because of the threats that are coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the Avengers exist. I mean, that's as good of a theory as any, and we are at Comic-Con right now, and I'm sure Marvel's panel on Saturday, they might have more to say about this. And it's also worth considering Ant-Man and the Wasp is, I think, the first movie coming out of Infinity War, or it's either that or Captain America. It, it, I mean, uh, Captain Marvel. It's in between the two Avengers films. So it'll be interesting to see how Ant-Man fits into that puzzle and how it, whatever happens in Infinity War might lead into Ant-Man or vice versa right um also in the news the stephen king series the dark tower is coming into theaters this august finally and we finally know the running time for this movie and it is short especially for a movie that was eight books and some odd short stories jacob what, what do you have to say about the running time for dark dark tower it's especially odd because the Dark Tower books, with the exception of the first one, all tend to be long books. They're 400 pages going up to 700 or 800. And there are, as Peter said, seven books, one novella, and a few short stories that all encompass this world. And we're talking about a, a story that kind of demands a Lord of the Rings-style approach. And instead, this feels like an Underworld-style running time. Yeah, this movie is 95 minutes, which is just over an hour and 30 minutes long. Uh when Ron Howard first pitched this, it was going to be a series of movies with a series of uh, TV seasons in between. It was going to be this epic, long kind of thing. And now we're greeted to a 95-minute movie. How can this story possibly fit into 95 minutes? It can't. The excuse they're going to use in the press, most likely, is that it's a remix of the books, which the universe of the books does allow for reasons that are spoilerish. And they're going to say, oh, we're just telling a fresh story in this world. Maybe that's okay. But there's a long history of studios taking troubled movies that they don't have faith in, trimming them down to the bare running time, and trying to get more screenings in there just to make a profit. And that's what that feels like, unfortunately. And I hate to say that because I've been waiting for this movie for half my life. Yeah, and, and, and this is a series that is very mythological and even involves Stephen King in the books as a character. And, and you were telling me some of the craziest things that happened in the books. Spoiler alert, for the next you know minute, you can g- g- skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. But, but tell me what you were telling me earlier. Yeah, in the books, it's revealed that the Dark Tower is a nexus of many universes, many of which are Stephen King novels, like Roland the Gunslinger and his allies walk through a gate and find themselves in the world from the stand. The world has been ravaged by an apocalypse. And at one point they realize that Stephen King himself, living in one universe as a writer, is actually influencing the multiverse through his writing. And Stephen King even writes one of his real-life accidents when he was when he was hit by a van 
1999 into the story by revealing the van was driven by the minions of the series' villain. It, it's a wild thing, and I don't think it was ever going to make it to the screen intact in that way, but I also didn't think it was going to be a 95-minute movie being dumped in August. I mean, it, it, it is insane, because if, if you look in the trailers, there is some uh, hints towards their, this larger Stephen King multiverse you look on the psychiatrist desk and there is a picture of the overlook hotel from the shining and i i I, when this was first pitched me i thought it was going to be kind of like this more epic grand you know three hour western fantasy adventure and uh it doesn't seem like that is what we're getting but we should move on to something you are super excited about something you have seen and it's you told me earlier today this is a movie that you are most excited about seeing again, and it is the the disaster artist. James Franco plays the guy that made the worst movie of all time, and that is The Room. And a new trailer came out. You can watch it on SlashFilm.com right now. Uh, Why are you so excited to see this movie again? Well, I saw the world premiere of The Disaster Artist at South by Southwest earlier this year, and it was presented as a work-in-progress cut, but it felt really finished. So it could change between now and December when A24 releases it, the version I saw was hysterical, it was moving, it was funny. And when I, when I first heard that James Franco and a bunch of L.A. comedians were going to star in a movie about the making of a widely beloved, because it's so bad, drama, uh, that people literally have midnight screenings to mock, I was expecting this ironic joke, a bunch of people sort of like pointing fingers at this movie and laughing at it. And instead it's this ultra-sincere story of, bromance and artistic failure and people coming together to make something and realizing they have no talent and even you can kind of get a sense of this in the trailer when you see james franco playing tommy Wiseau, the filmmaker behind the room who wrote it directed and starred in it and is this total eccentric nutball and rather than play him as a cartoon he actually plays him as a real character as a real damaged guy and it has as much heart as 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 any movie you'll see this year while making it clear that you're watching a bunch of idiots make a very bad movie. Yeah. And we also, we, this is kind of essentially one scene in the movie and we get to see a bunch of other people in the background, Seth Rogen as the script supervisor and Dave Franco, who's kind of, uh, he's the brother character. He, I think he's a brother character, but, uh, he is the lead, the second lead in, in the room who's talking with his best bud throughout the movie and their relationship kind of forms the core of the movie. Well, I'm excited to see this, especially after the trailer. Um, it, it comes out on December 8th, 2017, wide, and in limited release on December 1st, 2017. You can read all those articles on SlashFilm.com. That does it t- for today's SlashFilm Daily. We are in San Diego for Comic-Con all this week and all weekend. Uh, so check back for all the latest news from Comic-Con, and we'll be doing daily updates on the Slash Film Daily podcast. So stay tuned for, for updates from Hall 8 and the show floor. Please, if you like this podcast, go to iTunes, give us a review, rate the podcast. If you don't like the podcast, shoot me an email, peter at slashfilm.com. We're, we're still experimenting and trying to figure this out. So I, I want to know what, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see. Uh, also, 
We have the mailbag segments, that which we are still doing. If you want to send an email to the mailbag, ask us a question, give us a thought to mention on the air, send it to peter at slashfilm.com, and please leave your name and general geographic location so we can mention it on the air. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>